Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The Nightcap. It makes me regret that the Flyers are so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right. Right. Yes, let's let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong I with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. That controlled chaos you're hearing is once again Derek Kramer and Kyle Powell with you for the nightcap filling in for the sneak. The sneaky sneaky Joe. John Simon is hanging out with us here as well. We have been talking very frustratingly about Sabres coach watch and well, we did it. We got to another name that's being connected to the Buffalo Sabres. Bob Hartley, the 58 year old who coached the Colorado Avalanche to a Stanley Cup in 2001. And then proceeded to do not much else after that. Funny thing about Hartley is that, uh, according to Scott Burnside of The Athletic, Hartley is reportedly very happy in Russia. When you're happy to be in Russia, maybe your hockey opinion might not be a good one anymore. Because once that was announced at the end of last hour, <laughs> I just threatened to walk away. And I was just getting all yelly at the break. But Vince in Orchard Park has a different take on Hartley. So, Vince, I'm willing to hear you out. You're on the nightcap. What's going on? Yeah, well, it's just a couple things with Hartley. Um, yeah, I think it was like two, 2001 that he won with Colorado. Mm-hmm. He's won in, uh, I think, the Swedish League. And just this past year, he was in the finals with Avangard. Um in the Russian, in the Russian, the KHL, with a team that really wasn't that good, and he did a hell of a job coaching that team. And oddly enough, there's, a, there's actually with this coaching staff, there's there's a Sabres connection uh, from way back in the '80s. Jacques Cloutier is one of his assistant coaches. Uh, not that it matters anything with the organization, but he's a hell of a coach, and he's a, he's one in every level that he's coached. Granted, he hasn't been in the NHL for a while, but if you're a coach, you're a coach. And he has, it's not like he hasn't been coaching. He has been coaching, and he's been winning. So, you know, I mean, you want to, you want to look at these guys that have coached in the AHL or some of these assistant coaches who haven't been head coaches. Bob Hartley's a guy that I've, that I've wanted them to look at since they since before they fired Housley. And I think he would be a great fit for us, a great fit. All right, Vince, I, I appreciate your take on this. I, I do. It's just uh... – my main problem with Hartley is you, you do say that he's won at pretty much any level that he's coached at, but right. in the NHL, 
it is a what have you done for me lately kind of business. And after he won the Stanley Cup in 2001, he proceeded to have his teams play in only a grand total of 15 playoff games in nine seasons with two, with three different teams, actually, because he got fired from Colorado after a poor start. Then he goes to Atlanta, and he qualifies one time and gets swept. After that, he wins five games in the playoffs with Calgary a year that he takes home the Jack Adams Award, but then he gets fired again because he consistently, after leaving Colorado, one of the most stacked teams that we've seen in recent history, proceeded to not do much after leaving the Avalanche. Well, when you look at, you mentioned Atlanta, when we went to Atlanta, who do they play in Atlanta? They were grossly outmatched, and for them to make the playoffs was, was something to be said to even make the playoffs when he was with Atlanta. And again, with this team that he coached in, in, in the KHL with Avangard, it, it's kind of the same thing where he he brought a, like a like a zero team in against one of the best teams in the league, if not the very best team in the KHL. So it's like Tampa, you know, bringing in Tampa Bay and basically coaching a team that's slightly better than the Sabers and bringing them to the finals. Granted, he didn't win, and they they you know they lost. I don't I don't I don't remember the I don't think they got swept. I think they lost in five. But and I watched a few of those games as well. And I'm telling you, the guy can coach. All you got to do is just just watch and pay attention to it. The guy can coach, and there's a lot, a lot of great coaches that aren't in the NHL. And there's reasons beyond just the, the wins and losses, or there's, there's things way beyond the wins and losses. you got to look at the talent level that's within the team. And you, you mentioned the Atlanta team. That wasn't a very good team. So take it for what it's worth. And it's, But he's a, he's a damn good coach. And the Sabres would be... Would be I mean, going from from Phil Housley, who I loved, but just he never he didn't have any assistant coaches. And like that guy that was on this morning, you gotta have if you're gonna have a, a guy with no experience, you need guys with experience. But Harley Harley has the experience. You can bring guys in. You want to bring in Taylor to kind of groom to take over in a few years, fine. But Harley is the right guy for this time. If he stays here two three years and 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 kind of grooms the next guy or, or whatever you want to do because he's 58 years old, great. But he's the right guy. All right, Vince, I do appreciate your input and the uh, the detailed input, I would say, on Bob Hartley there. It just – oh, man. I will say this. I would still put Bob Hartley in front of Jacques Martin. Take that for what it's worth. It's unfortunately not worth much. But I just – I see a guy that couldn't adjust to – Playing to coaching outside of one of the most stacked teams we've seen. And that's where my problem lies with this, with Bob Hartley is. Yeah, he, you look at his time in Atlanta, as a matter of fact, he finished below third place in the division just once. And that was when he went, started 0 and 6 in 2007 and he got fired. But he finished third with Atlanta, second with Atlanta, third in Atlanta in the Southeast Division. Then they took the Southeast Division in 2006 and 2007, but they won zero playoff games out of it. But those point totals were also a little more on the damning side of things. I mean, his second place finish was 78 points, and that was second in the Southeast. This was back This was back when all the playoff spots were free-for-alls, and you actually had to win games, and you couldn't get playoff positioning because of the fact that you finished top three in the division. 
I just see a guy who couldn't do anything after winning with one of the best teams we've seen since the turn of the century. Sackick, Forsberg, Hajduk, Drury, Patrick Waugh, Ray Bork, Rob Blake. Those are all players that I can think of immediately that were part of that team in Colorado. Oh, Alex Tangay was there. These were all players that were bona fide players. Adam Foote. Hartley won with that. And I think he kind of proved, well, looks like a lot of coaches could win with that. I think Hart. it's almost like Hartley is Martin, Martin is Hartley, except Hartley actually has a Stanley Cup. We're not getting anywhere. This is the problem. We're not getting anywhere because it's Groundhog Day and this team is ruining my life and it just makes me want to just... It makes me want to yell loudly and I'm trying to refrain from that. I'm trying to stop, you know, the high blood pressure thing from happening. But the Sabres aren't doing a good job of uh, helping me limit that. 803-0550, Dave and Kenmore, you're on the nightcap. What's going on? Hi, yeah, I just saw, I wanted to call and talk about Dave Tippett a little bit. Um, I'm actually a Stars fan, so I know a lot about Tippett. And uh, when they hired him in 2002, I believe it was, they were coming off a non-playoff season under Hitchcock. Tippett takes over, gets coach of the year, first year. They're a number one seed in the West. And they made the playoffs every year he was there except his final year. And the only reason why he didn't make it the final year is in uh, 2009 is they were heading for the playoffs, having a great year, and then half the team got injured. And uh, Joe Newendike fired him at the end of the year, which he should have never lost his job. And then goes to Phoenix, I believe, the next year and turns that team around so I, I i just think his history in the nhl has been excellent i think he deserves another chance i i would say that dave and i i i've said several times here today that uh tippett's probably at the top of my list the one thing that i do have to have an answer for with dave tippett is you know can he win with the sabers roster because he went five straight seasons with phoenix slash arizona less than 90 points in each of them and that's going to be one thing that i I would like to make sure that I get something out of him. But I, I, I think the Sabres roster might be better than what he had in Arizona those final years. He's got young talent here. And I mean, if they could just add a few pieces, I think it, this could be a good team for Tippett. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at the rosters right now there. Thanks for calling in, Dave. I appreciate your take there. With Dave Tippett, there is something that you have to answer. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, man. Actually, you look at the roster with uh, the Phoenix Coyotes. And uh, Keith Yandel is their leading scorer in 2012-2013 and then 2013-14. And Keith Yandel is the third leading scorer in 2014 and 15. Oliver ekman Larson's the leading scorer there. Yandel was two points off of ekman Larson. Let me think, let me think, oh, let me man. think. This is getting think. interesting. This is getting 
Ekman Larson leads the team with points with 55. So this is four straight years that a defenseman is leading the Arizona slash Phoenix Coyotes, 15-16 under Dave Tippett, the final year of Dave Tippett. And, oh, hey, a defenseman was only second on the team in scoring, but Redeem Verbata, 35-year-old Redeem Verbata, led the team with 55 points. Boston scores. Can we not? Bruins, go away. I really just took away a very shining moment at Redeem Verbata's career. I really apologize for that. We were kind of shedding some light on his pedigree in Arizona, and uh, I I had to ruin it. Boston! But yes, the Bruins have struck first in Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Because Final. of course they did, because Two minutes I can't ever have nice things in hockey! You, that's right. Training camp cannot come soon enough. Go Bills! Two minutes and 55 seconds in, courtesy of... Campfer? Campfer. Whoever the hell that is. <sighs> but yeah, no. Those last five seasons under Dave Tippett... The Coyotes' leading scorers were defensemen and then Redeem Verbata. Who, by the way, was the second leading scorer in the last season that Tippett made the playoffs with the Coyotes. <laughs> Funny enough. Uh, yeah, he didn't have a lot there. He didn't have <laughs> a lot Confer there. Stephen is what the name. I don't know. He didn't Max have, Domi, Anthony I'm, Duclair. I'm looking at the roster, and I'm trying to check out what they've got there, and I mean... Mikhail Grabowski is probably there. Lori Korpakovsky was the fifth leading scorer on one of his playoff seasons in 2010-2011. Fifth leading scorer, Lori Korpakovsky. Yeah, they didn't have a lot. Matthew Lombardi was the second leading scorer on this team. Was Lee Stepniak ever there? Lee Stepniak was there. Yes. Lee Stepniak was everywhere. And I had, still is. I had to, I had to ask. Okay? Sadly, strangely enough, he never ended up playing for his hometown team. Not yet. I think there's still Not time. yet. <laughs> there's hope. There's hope for Lee Stepniak in Buffalo. But, yeah, 107 points. 107 points. He rides the back of Ilya Brzgalov. And Shane Doan's the leader. Matthew Lombardi, second on the team in scoring. Martin Hansel took 104 penalty minutes. Good Lord. What's your problem there, Martin Hansel? (laughs) But yeah, no. You look at the rosters. They really do. Like, they really did not. (laughs) Do anything with uh, putting a roster together for Dave Tibbet. Well, to a degree they did and they didn't. We had Luke Lipinski on. With Chopin the Bulldog no more than a week ago, he was talking about how Arizona tried to build a team while Tippett was there through goaltending and defense. Goaltending, I get it. Not that great. Mike Smith, Ilya Brzgalov, the list goes on and on of players that have donned the Coyote sweater as Carolina answers back less than a minute later on the power play, three seconds in. Looks like Sebastian Ajo has tied this game up. There you go. What was Look I saying? that. Goaltending and defense. Yes. And honestly, the Sabres could use a little bit of a defensive discipline. A little more discipline with a team like that. And Tippett can do that. And you see that the guy has done a pretty good job with less. Yeah, to be clear, though, not, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a structure, but discipline. I'm glad, you, yes. I'm glad you specified on that. Because structure and the systematics that Phil Housley brought didn't jive. They didn't jive. It was 
complex from what we were seeing on the screen and from what the players – I don't even think they knew what they were talking about half the time. Yeah. It was a lot to absorb. But yeah, Lipinski said the same thing about Tippett. It's no surprise to see that Al- Oliver Ekman, Larson, and Keith Yandel were at the forefront of those scoring teams when they were successful because that was their strategy. Win from the back. Yeah. I mean, he he, he put together a team with uh, Ilya Brzgalov as the netminder. So humangous big. Ilya Brzgalov. Yeah, I've been there. What a quote machine. Yeah. Ilya Brzgalov. 803-0550. We're talking about Sabres coach watch. Anything about coaching candidates here? I mean, Bob Hartley is the newest name that's being thrown around, and that's not making me feel great. Derek Anderson retired from the Buffalo Bills, so the quarterback room of getting one less seat in there. And you look at possibly the chances of Tyree Jackson making the roster as well. Mike in Lakewood, you're on the nightcap. What's going on here, Mike? Uh, hi, fellas. Forgive me for being naive because I've only watched – paid attention to hockey for about two seasons i don't blame you what about somebody sorry well what is somebody about like kind of way off the board like a player you know perennial all-star that was well respected who's retired like within say at least five years ago is there anybody you can think of that would fit the bill i i appreciate that kind of thought and sentiment mike and thanks for calling but unfortunately it looks like the sabers don't even want to roll in that direction they don't want to even look at guys that don't have NHL head coaching experience. Like a Ricard Gromberg, who has experience as a head coach in Sweden. Like a Chris Taylor, who has experience as a head coach in the AHL, or Sheldon Keefe. We'll see what happens there. That's a good question. During the break, I'm going to try and think of that. Who was my ideal coach off the street who has been a recent retiree of the NHL in the last five seasons that I want at the helm? He's make off the rip. Carolina's got a former player of theirs, Rod Brendamore. Yeah, sure. I'll, I, I mean, this league is about retreads. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a boys, boys, it's club. a boys club. It's a boys club, unlike any other boys. You club. do, you do enough research, you'll find out that just about everybody in this league has played hockey to some extent. But recently, that is interesting. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. You know, I'd like to see what a, you know. But you know what they say, though, at least what I know from baseball, is sometimes the greatest players don't make the best coaches. Look at Wayne Gretzky coaching Phoenix. Because the game just is different to them, and it's difficult for the greats to teach it because it was natural for them. Sometimes uh-huh. those guys that were grinders, mm-hmm. 20, 30 points a year, that studied the game and had to work for what they, everything they had in their career, or especially catchers in baseball. All right, even Joe Girardi on. We can even just use Phil Housley as a Hall of Fame defenseman. Perfect. Right team, in our backyard. Team was erect defensively. Lindy Ruff was not a well-known player. John Elway can't pick a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere. But yeah, like look at this. Look at as you mentioned in the backyard. Lindy Ruff wasn't a great Sabres player. It just comes differently to them because they they had to work for all they had. They had to actually study the game. You think it's it's just it's just different. Yeah, I don't know how else to say. An it. interesting take on that. Eight hundred three hundred five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. We're talking Coach Watch. If you want to talk Bills as well, there is that recent news about the Bills not only signing pretty much all of their draft class, save for Dawson Knox and Derek Anderson, has retired from the Bills today. So there's some Bills news now as well tonight coming through as well. Oh hey, we'll also talk some baseball. Why? Well, Aaron Jeremy had Joe Girardi. 
on this morning, and I definitely want to play some of that back for you on the nightcap here tonight. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, John Simon, we're hanging out with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, John Simon, we're all hanging out with you here tonight. And Kyle, I'm intrigued to see something here with with baseball and with how the happenings are going with the MLB. Howard is a Mets fan. Poor Howard. He passed it along to John. Poor John. Yeah, that's all I can really say about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Seeing the inner workings of what has been going on in the beginning of the season, Howard and Jeremy had Joe Girardi on, a Radio.com sports analyst now looking all around the league. The former Yankees manager joined the guys this morning, and I'm pretty excited to hear what Joe Girardi had to say. Talk a little baseball for a few minutes, too. We're going to our Wester hotline because we're going to be joined by Joe Girardi, former big league manager these days, a baseball insider for Radio.com, and he's joining us right now. Joe, it's Howard and Jeremy here in Buffalo. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good, Howard and Jeremy. How are you? Doing well. Appreciate you coming on with us to talk a little baseball. And uh, I, I'm not I'm not doing this, you know, because, you know, you, you, you worked and played and coached them and managed them. But I want to ask you about the Yankees first because, Joe, there are a lot of Yankee fans up here in Buffalo and in Western New York, which you, you might know. I'm really uh, amazed at what they've been able to do, despite all their injuries, that they're, they've been able to win so much with basically half the roster on the injured list. How are they able to get this done so far? Well, I think their system is extremely deep, and I think the kids have come up and done a good job. Um, and I also think on most given nights, their pitching has the advantage of, of the teams that they have played to this point. And they score plenty of runs. There's plenty of runs to be, you know, to be had in baseball. And their pitching has been superior most of the time. I don't think the pitching over the last couple of years has probably got enough credit, but it's been really good. Yeah, I guess when you have the bats they have, that maybe you don't think about the pitching, right? Right, right. I mean, you think about the sluggers, but I think maybe they were third in pitching last year in the American League or fourth. The year before, maybe second or third. So, but you don't talk about it a lot because of the sluggers that they have. Yeah. Well, now in, let me stay in that division and get your thoughts on on the Sox and and Tampa, because the Red Sox have I think finally crept back to five hundred after last night. Yeah. But but we're having a lot of issues uh, in the first month of the season. What's going on in Boston? Well, it has been their pitching. Their pitching has not been what we're accustomed to seeing from those starters that they have. Their bullpen doesn't quite have the firepower it had last year. You you lose Kimbrell and Kelly, and some of the stars had not played like stars early on. Mookie Betts got off to a slow start. Um, Some other guys got off to slow starts. They had some injuries. Um, So they're starting to play better. Chris Sale is starting to pitch better, and I always maintain a lot of times when your stars don't play like stars, it's like, ooh, What's going on here? And there's a lot of question marks. And Chris Sale has struggled really since his, until his last two starts when he's been really good. And Mookie Betts was kind of struggling. So 
I think there were question marks in the room, but I think those question marks are getting answered now. Are you surprised by what's going on with Tampa, and do they have staying power in that division, in that race? No, I'm not surprised because they have really good pitching, too. And again, they don't have the household names for offensive players, but they have good offensive players that understand their roles, guys that have kind of, you know, Tommy Pham has done a really good job. Austin Meadows has done a really good job. They, they don't ever beat themselves, very seldom. Um, and their schedule has not been the toughest up until this point. So eventually a lot of these teams are going to have to start playing each other, and that's when it's really going to get interesting. Do you, you, since you're, I'll stay with your pitching theme here. I'll throw in a question about my team, the Mets. Uh, boy, Joe, it's horrible. I mean, the starting pitching, the bullpen – uh, Syndergaard's ERA is over five. Degrom had a good start the last time, but he had three straight bad starts. What is going? And they, you know, they thought they upgraded the bullpen in the off season. What's going on with the Mets pitching staff? Well, I think their starters are starting to come around. Degrom's last couple starts have been mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, Syndergaard had that one to nothing the other day. To me, it's been their offense. They haven't scored runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they lost three to two last night. They have a one to nothing loss, a four to three loss. They haven't been scoring runs. They need to offensively get going, and I think you think a lot different about their pitching staff. I know they've had some struggles in their bullpen, but I still think their bullpen is improved over last year. But bullpens around the league have struggled a little bit more this year yeah. than than we've seen in a long time. So uh, they're not immune to it, but offensively they need to get going. You know, you uh, you mentioned Tampa Bay. You weren't surprised by what the Rays are doing. Who um... – who, who is the surprise team so far for you, or are there multiple answers to that so far, first-plus month into the season? Who's surprising? No, um, you know, I think the cream's starting to rise to the top. Um, I think maybe my biggest surprise might be Arizona and the Padres to a certain extent. Um, Arizona lost a lot. You know, they lost Corbin and Goldschmidt, um, but they're playing extremely well. The Padres, I think everyone questioned – what their starting rotation would be like, and they're playing well. They just happen to be in the division with the Dodgers, and that's going to be really tough. But, you know, would you be surprised if, if you know, they got at least one wild card out of that? I wouldn't. Um, but you got to deal with the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Brewers. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, those have been my two surprise teams. Uh, Joe Girardi with us on our Western Hotline, uh, Radio.com Baseball Insider. I read a story the other day in uh, USA Today, wanted to get your thoughts on this, about home runs. Uh, record number of home runs through April. It might be a little surprising. April, in many cities, a cold-weather month, not conducive to great hitting. But the numbers were up, and there was a, they were saying, in the research they're showing, people are talking about the balls that they're being used. There's less drag on these. It was the whole, is the baseball juiced, or is it set up to promote more home runs. you have any thought on that? And, or if not, what is going on with all the home runs being up again? Well, I think the, base, the home runs are up, and I think the base, there's something. You know? And I've often questioned, are the bats harder today than they used to be? Um, could, could that play into this at all? But the, the, real, the real telltale for me is the baseball is much different, is they're on pace to hit over 13 more home Talk a little baseball for a few minutes, too. We're going to our Wester hotline because... You'll see it night after night. Well, that happened. We were talking a little baseball with Joe Girardi, and uh, 
well, all good things come to an end, I who's, guess. Who's to say we're still not talking baseball? That that conversation doesn't happen. But end. not with Joe Girardi. We never were, but it did happen. And now it got the restart. And, uh, well, there's that conversation. If you want to hear it in its entirety, you can go to WGR550.com and check it out on demand audio. It is in hour three of Howard and Jeremy's show from today. And if I know Brayton, he probably put it as a separate file as well. Yeah, Joe had a lot of good stuff in the interview. I listened to it this morning as well because I was up for the Bisons game at 1035. You sound like you uh, didn't want to be there, Kyle. That's not to say I didn't <laughs> want to be there. I'll never turn on a baseball shift. Hmm. But right. kids' days. Kids' days are, are a little uh, a little odd. They are a different animal. They are a different animal. Some would say. But no, Joe had a lot of good things, uh, Mr. Girardi. Uh, I was Mr. Girardi. Mr. Girardi. Just call him Joe Girardi. No, I feel like he's he's <laughs> earned that right. <laughs> I'm glad he opened my eyes, at least. Um, <laughs> I consider myself a pretty big fan of the sport, but uh, Arizona's hot start went under my radar. 21-16, and 16, trailing the Dodgers by three games, percentage points. Yeah, a lot was made of the Diamondbacks. They were going to be rebuilding for the future without really calling themselves a rebuilding franchise. But, yeah, when you lose pillars and cornerstones like America's first baseman, Paul Goldschmidt, and you lose your ace in free agency to the Washington Nationals and A.J. Pollock goes to your rival who you're chasing, you know, to be five games over 500 at this point, playing well on the road, too. I'm looking at their splits now. Seven and seven at home. They usually do very well in Chase Field, but 14 and nine on the road. It's a good start for the D-backs. And he also talked about that lovely Pirates and Rays trade from last off se- or mm-hmm. last trade deadline that I think is going to be haunting the Pirates for a long time coming. You know, at the time, it seems great. Yeah. You're in a position where you get hot down the stretch. You can be fighting for a wild card spot. Playoff playoff spots are precious, especially for an organization like Pittsburgh. They had that run, really weird run between 2012 and 2015, where they were in the playoffs, but they found themselves in a wild card spot every single year, never winning the division. Going for it, getting your ace, you know, good for it. But everything everything costs. Everything has a cost. Everything has a price. And hey, now, Kyle, I'm going to ask you something that's going to set you off here a little I'm bit. I'm ready. You think they should go ahead and bring in Dallas Keuchel? Yes. <laughs> who? Wait, who? Tampa. Tampa? Yeah. No. Why not? No, I don't think Tampa, Tampa doesn't doesn't have problems in the pitch. You want to hold off an injured Yankees team that you've only got two games up on early, right? Right. Why not strengthen the pitching staff? I don't think they need strengthening in the pitching staff. They need offense is what they need. Why don't you just make a strength even stronger? Make a strength even stronger. I like where your head's at. Yeah. No. yeah, come on, I don't man. think Dallas Keuchel is a Tampa Bay destination. All right, then. personally, okay. But I just, I just like to ask because, uh, sure, because, <laughs> because as I do recall having a conversation with you, when is anyone going to give Dallas Keuchel a GD contract? Yeah, seriously, man, come on. <laughs> so, do you have a thought on that, John? Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell sitting here basically like we're doing right now on May 9th. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, I think, like last week maybe. I was discussing my frustrations that the Mets hadn't signed Keuchel yet, but this was back when their pitching staff was still going through all their problems. But 
I'd still like him there. Matt's just went to the DL or the IL, excuse me. Still getting used to that new new terminology in Major League Baseball, but I, he's a former Cy Young winner. He led the American League in wins just a few years ago and was a part of the best pitching rotation on the best team in the American League, arguably over the last three seasons. I get that his ground ball pitching style might not be you know ideal for some teams but not every guy has to be a strikeout guy a blow up by the batter at 99 miles an hour I mean there's a lot of pitchers that are still serviceable that aren't those strikeout guys and Keuchel is at the top is the top tier of those guys look no further than Kyle Hendricks he did something yesterday that hadn't been done since no I'm sorry not yesterday earlier in the week that hasn't been done in seven years 81 pitch yeah. Complete game shutout. And another guy that's been really successful the, the last speed few limit. years being a under-the-speed-limit location sort of guy that just gets outs other ways than blowing a ball by the batter. It's 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 really crazy, and it's unfortunate because the way the way the league works these days, teams are very worried about the threshold and luxury tax. You don't want to go over it. You don't want to pay the taxation. Whatever. I get it. Fine. Most of those teams are in playoff contention, so... They really got to ask themselves in the coming months, frankly, the coming weeks, because at what point, at what point into the season do we say it's not even worth signing these guys? Because extending extended spring training becomes an issue, ready, ready readiness becomes an issue. If you wait till the All Star break, even deeper, make a trade deadline signing of a guy like Craig Kimbrell or Dallas Keuchel, you may not see them for a month anyway. What do you know? If, what what kind of contract would that even be? It would be a one year deal if you're going this deep into a middle of the season. If they're not ready and you're not going to see them till August or September, what even what are the stipulations of that contract? Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm five not starts sure at for all. Dallas Keuchel in 2019, ten relief appearances for Craig Kimbrell, and then maybe a shot at the playoffs. Like at this point, like I really it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. Yeah, we're literally at a at a loss for words over this. Ugh. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. I have a question for you, actually. Sure. So, Cleveland and Chicago, the White Sox. They played a six-inning game here today. Mm-hmm. The pitcher in Cleveland pitches a what is technically a complete game shutout. Yes. Is that correct in the rule? Is that going to be the designation that yep. ends up happening here? <laughs> yeah, he'll get a complete game shutout for that game. It went uh, final after five because it was rain, correct? Yes, in Cleveland? it was yeah. rained out in Cleveland, yes. You will see a CG and an SHO, one and one. On the back of his baseball card, if that's the one he throws this year. Who was the pitcher, by the way? I have to look Carlos up. Carrasco. Carlos Cookie Carrasco? Yes. Yep. He will get a five-inning shutout for that. Congrats to him, then. Pretty good. Because <laughs> we had that question earlier with uh, with Shilpin Bulldog, and we didn't have the answer, so I wanted to ask you guys. Yeah, it'll count. It'll count. It'll count. It'll come in as a complete game. It'll do. Kyle, do you know off the top of your head if any pitcher has ever thrown a no-hitter or a perfect game you know, without going a full nine innings, has there ever been a situation where that's thought? Because I don't think I've ever heard shortens. of one. Oh boy, that's a good question. No perfect games have ever been shortened. This is a Tim Kirchin, a Tim right. question. Absolutely, we just, we just had Major League Baseball's 300th uh, no hitter ever the other night. I should say morning here in the Eastern State. That Mike Fires completed that no hitter at like 2:45 our time. That was a 300th, 300th in Major League Baseball history, so there, there's bound to have been one. I know there's been per, per, uh, no-hitters that have gone extra innings. Right, But right. shortened? Good question. I'm going to try and find it. I think I will as well, because now I'm intrigued. You think of all the quirks in that sport that it has to offer over the last 150 years. There has to have been a seven-inning shortened no-hitter to some extent. 
Look at that refreshing change of pace for everyone. I love it. Yes, because it's not the Sabres, and we're not talking doom, gloom, and despair. Look at that. 803-0550. I just watched Tero, Toivo Teravainen light up a ref by running into him. You ever run into an official? Uh, no, I have not. Like you've never run into an umpire or just like on accident, not paying attention? No, I don't believe so. Okay. I haven't had the pleasure. You haven't had the pleasure. I have not. John, you ever run into an official in any of your your playing days? No, I don't think so. I've gone I've I've done my due diligence in trying to avoid hitting them. I think it gets me in their good graces and would keep me from You're maybe not getting Weidman? a penalty in in some situations. You're not Dennis Weidman just hitting the guy after uh... No, I'm not Dennis <laughs> Weidman. I'm not Paul Cruth. I never played football, but if I did, I was not going to throw the ball at the uh the officials, you know, below the belt area. I would never do such a thing like that. <laughs> That's a great reference, by the way. And <laughs> and you. and it's going to tie into my last topic for last call, movies. That's right. So nice job, John. Way to way to fall as they say, bass backwards into that one. I'm a massive dork. I'm going to go see a Pokemon movie after this. We're going to go ahead and laugh at how much of a geek I am. With Last Call, if you want in on this or with anything else, 803-0550-1888-552-550. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, John Simon, this is The Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap on WGR. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, John Simon. One last segment for you here for Last Call on the Nightcap. You guys were talking about something last segment that you guys ended up doing some digging in the break, and you found a fun stat. Yeah, good on John and I. We learned a rule about shortened games that had no hitters, certain stipulations. So as the listeners know, in case they don't, five innings rules a official game, a official completed game in Major League Baseball. Once you reach that threshold, should rain, snow, other weatherly factors come into play and you don't reach the ninth inning of completion, then it still is officially a game in the eyes of Major League Baseball. So a rule was in place, though, in 1991, as it looks, that any no-hitters after 1991 that did not reach nine-inning completion or further would not be considered no-hitters. So we learned that there was like, holy cow, National League, American League, American Association, Union Association, there's probably 40, 50, maybe even 60. A lot. Going back into the 1880s of no-hitters, it didn't reach nine innings, five-inning no-hitters, because of a lot of them because of darkness, because these teams didn't have lights yet. (laughs) (laughs) The only darkness I know is the Sabres right now. So yeah, the more you know. Fun stuff every day. Fun but stuff every day. Before we go, of course, Derek, let's talk about Pikachu and Pokemon. Yes, let's let's talk about this. And uh, we're going to do that with a very special call-in guest here on Last Call. My boy Maniac from Trainwreck Sports is on the line with us. What's up, dude? Special for all the wrong reasons. Derek, Kyle, John, thank you for having me on this nightcap. It's probably the best one I've ever listened to. I know I'm joining a little late, a little sloppy as most Last calls are. But with that said, Iron Man move over. Pikachu to the top of the box office chart. Yes! Let's go. Let us go there. Maniac, I'm all for you there. And I'm 
from the top rope. From the top rope, Maniac comes in, as he always does. A pleasant surprise, too. Yes. So, <laughs> by the way, if uh, if you ever want to follow Maniac from Trainwreck Sports, at Zach Sheldon. So, give him a follow. He's, he's a good dude. Good dude with some good takes, as you just heard. But, yes, I'm I'm going to go watch Detective Pikachu and a movie about a smart-ass, wisecracking Pikachu that is voiced by Ryan Reynolds. I'm here for it. I'm here probably do better than his Green Lantern movie. That's a really low bar and possibly a low blow. Well, I was going to say, too, (laughs) like Pikachu also, I wasn't a Pokemon Pokemon guy growing up, but I do think that this has a lot more promise than that Sonic movie because it hasn't gotten anywhere near as much backlash. (laughs) And the CGI'd Pikachu is nowhere near as terrifying as Sonic. What they are doing to my freaking hedgehog is enough to make me just... Ugh. It's equivalent to the Sabres hiring Jacques Martin. <laughs> That's it for tonight. By the way, real quick though on that. I'm I'm for a spin-off Pokemon movie because if you try to do it about the main games, it's just never going to jive. That would be my take on that. And... Sonic is just being murdered yet again. Thanks for listening to the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, and John Simon. We were filling in for Sneaky Joe tonight. He'll be back tomorrow night for you guys, for your listening pleasure. Howard and Jeremy, get things started at 6 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Nightcap. This is WGR. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. T Mobile.com.